Welcome back, everybody, to West Coast Knicks Fan. I'm your host, Matt Ritter, and uh, it's good to be back, guys. We took a little sabbatical. I mean, look, let's face it. The team was garbage uh, for a long time, uh, the past two years, basically, and I just didn't want to suffer through it every week. But now I think there's a sliver of hope, a light at the end of the tunnel, so I'm back, and I'm here at Summer League. And I'm joined by my cousin and uh, NBA expert, analyst, and junkie, uh, Mike Jamal. Hey, what's happening, everybody? So Mike and I are here at Summer League, uh, and he's a Summer League veteran. This is my first summer doing this, and it's amazing. I highly recommend it. Uh, why don't you give him a little like breakdown of what Summer League is? Absolutely, yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah, I, I love that uh, this podcast started off. I wanted to show the Knicks fans an appropriate level of respect. As long as we're okay with just saying the last two seasons are utter garbage, and I know we're... Where we stand. Listen, Nick fans are optimistic. We're going to get into how amazing our future looks in a second. I expect but we that did, fully. I, I, we did win I, 54 I, games I, two I'm, years ago. And I'm here to help. So. Yeah. 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 Um, Absolutely, you know, for summer league. I honestly don't even know how long it's been going on, but I think it's a pretty, rel- it's a pretty new thing for uh, Las Vegas, and they've added, I don't know, something around 10, 10 something years where. They get a they get squads together for most of the teams in the NBA. They have their own summer league team, which usually consists of their new incoming draft picks, uh, both first and second round players. Uh, generally, they'll play some rookies who, um, particularly rookies who need some development or didn't show much uh, much improvement, or or they still need some work from last season, and also some walk ons, guys looking for jobs around the league who are who are unsigned, and basically you have uh, all kinds of scouts and agents and such in the stands watching their games for uh, for the two weeks that this goes on and and assessing their play and seeing if they can fill a role for their team so so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, networking as well uh, behind the scenes that makes it a full experience for any fan to, to really yeah check out. you know what I liked because you know he's been trying to get me to come for a couple of years and I finally succumbed uh, this year and and I was blown away by the access. Yeah. Like, you know, so there's two courts right next to each other, the Thomas and Mack uh, UNLV Pavilion, which is like a giant, you know, that's where UNLV plays their games. But there's also this Cox Center, which is directly next door. They have a walkway and it's it couldn't be closer. I mean, it's like he likened it to a music festival. It's so much like that. And I love both of them. I love both of them for different reasons. I mean, one, you get to, you know, see sometimes it's like an NBA quality, you know, future stars game sitting you know, court very low on the in the huge arena, but also in the smaller arena, you're basically watching the highest level scrimmage, and you're like getting to feel their sweat. It's it's very intimate. It's a really uh, cool experience. Um, I mean, just to get a perspective on the kind of game, it, 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 you remember the tragic uh, injury that that uh, Paul George suffered last year. That was in, I believe, it was in the Cox Pavilion, exactly where that was, where. They were uh, warming up for Team USA and um, playing a scrimmage there. So it's that, it's a it's a college arena, and they really run it well. They make sure that that things don't get too crazy. Uh, last year there was a little bit of a hitch. Uh, the first game of the year was uh, Andrew Wiggins versus Jabari Parker, and they had that in the smaller arena, which uh, you know it filled up pretty quickly. Needless to say, and so this year the big uh, the first uh, matchup of of the of the uh, tournament that everyone seemed interested in was uh was held at the thomas and mac and that was uh yeah towns towns and yeah that was the uh you're talking about the towns versus uh russell and exactly yeah lakers 
uh, versus Minnesota. That was an awesome um, actual showing. Like the, the the guys, you know, they they kind of underperformed. We'll get into that in a second. But the atmosphere was as on par with like a. I don't know, maybe even a playoff game. Like, that was people were really pumped to see those guys. Absolutely. And, yeah, you can attribute that probably for, for, for two reasons. One is, of course, the proximity to L.A. and Las Vegas. You know, a lot of, lot of, a lot of Los Angelinos, uh, they vacation in Vegas anyway, so to come see a Lakers squad that they're excited about the prospects on for the first time in yeah. many years would encourage oh, them to come up. this was great, too. So Mike told me, he warned me, because I, I tend to have a big mouth at these things. The one other thing that I think is hilarious is the family members are everywhere. Oh, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yes. Like, if you see somebody wearing a Carl Anthony Towns jersey and it's a woman, there's like a 75% chance that's a relative. His mom, most likely. Yes, it's a small sample size, but that might be, uh, that might be an accurate <laughs> That actually happened to us. There was, a guy <laughs> yelling, there was a guy yelling at a woman in a Towns jersey, and we found out that she was Towns' mom. So Mike was telling me as I was talking smack about... Seth Curry to uh, lower my voice, but I know what Del Curry looks like. I know what that family looks like, so I knew I wasn't in any jeopardy there. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily worried about the Curry clan yeah. coming after you, but uh, I thought that there might be some some other yeah, situations. There will be. I mean, there will be by the end of the week. Yeah, and Mike is, uh, you know, he's doing the full ten days. I'm probably done uh, tonight or tomorrow, but I obviously came to see the Knicks, and that's what you guys want to get to. So let's jump into today's game. Obviously, we all wanted to see Kristaps, Kristaps Porzingis. <laughs> Porzingis. Uh, what a mouthful. Uh, he makes you laugh. He makes you cry. He yeah, has the next future. All right. My personal takeaway was I was impressed. Uh, all the things that we knew about him that were the downsides that we talked about uh, were a problem. Number one being his sheer lack of weight. He's seven foot, at least seven feet, I would say. And he looks like, I don't know, 220. He looks like Sean Bradley almost out there. Well, yeah. Yeah, he's particularly thin. He's over seven feet. Uh, yeah. He's 7'3". I know, it's scary. It's yeah, scary. But it measured over seven feet in socks, which was crazy. Um, and yeah, absolutely. You couldn't agree more. He looks really thin. I saw someone on Twitter. I wish I could credit them properly. Uh, um like in his arms to bicyclist arms. I don't know what he's built like a bicyclist. <laughs> you know, he should be doing the Tour de France with <laughs> Greg Lemans. Is that somebody, Greg Lemans? Greg, right. Greg Lemans, yeah, he yeah. was a uh, Lance Armstrong. But, but, but the thing is, is that, okay, so he was trying to establish post position and he was struggling to do so, but he wasn't getting any help from Galloway because he had, you know, he secured it. A lot of times, even if you are a good post player, you, ha- you secure your spot. You need to be fed the ball immediately, otherwise you're going to get shoved out, even when you are a good post player. Right, right. I mean, you can tell from looking at the most rudimentary tape, which is pretty much all fans had to assess his talent, which is another reason he was such a controversial pick. You can see in his game that, you know, part of the reason that he's been stereotyped as possibly being one of these sort of, you know, high, highly touted Euro busts, so to speak, in Andrea Bagnani 2.0, blah, 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 would... Would be because he played in the Euro leagues, and a lot of times you have a a pretty a pretty savvy uh, perimeter seven footer, which Europe for some reason seems to have you know manufacture them manufactures yeah, yeah. them. Part of the part of the reason I think for that is that their game doesn't involve packing the paint quite as much as the American game, and so they're not necessarily uh, coached from the young age to really get down low and work that. And yeah. that combined with his body type and his 19 years of on planet Earth. No, exactly. How many 19-year-olds, you know, really right. have an NBA body? It's exactly. like, come on, give the guy two years to put on muscle. And he here's the thing. So, all right, so that being said, 
That was his downfall, but we already knew that going in. Everything else was a question mark. We didn't know what he was going to look like playing against, you know, NBA level. Well, I mean, obviously it's summer league, but there are a lot of NBA level talent out there. I mean, he honestly looked like one of the better players on the court. He looked fluid. He looked, you know, long. His stroke was nice. His free throw shooting was great. But also his effort was there, which I really dug. I mean, he was really digging in and he was, you know, fighting hard. Uh, I just, I'm just not worried that he's going to be a bust. I'm already like, I'm already not afraid of that bust category. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure he's an all star, but I already can tell this guy's going to be an NBA player. You know, I, I agree with you in the sense that I was optimistic about what we saw out there, um, even despite maybe what what you know a, a, a sort of first look at his performance in the game and you know on an island might indicate oh this is, might be some there are obviously some concerns but there's going to be concerns anywhere well the thing about his type of game though and, and one of the reasons he was such probably another reason is he he's the type of player where if if you don't believe in his game developing the type of play you would have that would have been on display would have been horrendous because you would have seen a guy who would have been just flying all that's the what i'm saying completely that's exactly you just hit the doing. nail on the head it would have been a debacle right you, and you I, I, I agree with that i agree if with you that. if you if you think this guy is going to develop and you watched a guy floundering out there you'd be proven okay this guy's never going to develop but like what we saw was the upside. We, we basically saw what we're what we're getting. Right. We saw we saw what we know he's good at uh, translate right away, and then we saw the things that they're probably going to try to use him in the Knicks as maybe something that could be achieved in the near enough future. So, so that's that's you know that's to me that's a huge plus. You know, Phil Jackson was sitting courtside and probably pretty happy about you know his his golden boy, and I think there were a lot of Knicks fans in the crowd, and I would say of. The Knicks fans out there, if I talked to anybody at the Summer League right now, they'd probably all be pretty high on him. Yeah, I was uh, I was sitting near some Knicks fans, too. They seemed to be engaged in liking the game. I saw, actually, uh, uh, somebody next to me asked a couple of Knicks fans how they felt about the pick during the game, and they, they shook their head. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they, of course. They weren't course. happy oh, still yeah, during yeah, the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Now, there were some people worth. screaming out of the, for <laughs> Phil's head on a plate. But here's the other thing. You know, look, I'm not going to give him a free pass. Rebounding is effort and positioning and instinct. Um, I don't know what he was doing wrong. I don't know if it was a lack of awareness. He had he let multiple times he let people sneak in underneath him, and so I don't really know where that's coming from. But it's obviously a problem. The two biggest concerns, even just translating from the Euroleague game, the two biggest sort of bust barometers that people are looking out and looking to avoid with Przingis is. Um, he wasn't a very good rebounder in 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 the Euro League. So those guys just not care about rebounds. They, they, they must not. I think it, I <laughs> they're think just they, like just go to the other side of the court. Forget it. It's theirs. It's, it's theirs. Will get it. It's like no, no. It's like okay, it's we take them. a shot. Yeah, it's beneath them to rebound, dude. You don't go after it because Europeans have that smooth stroke. They're like, no, if I missed, it's your ball. Yeah, it's your ball. You this, deserve it. This this swan neck doesn't ever miss, and yeah. if it does, somebody retrieve it, please. And the other thing too is is, is ability to pass uh, pass from down low. Which is that's something that we'll worry about a little bit later. But but um, in terms of guys who are like seven foot or above, uh, he has a historically no low number of of assists per uh, possessions in the paint, so to speak. For what that's worth, so yeah. those are the two things we're going to look for um, going forward. He's for got a better stroke on. than Bargnani already. I can absolutely. See that. Uh, the first thing I fell in love with from the first time I ever saw him on tape was his just the stroke, his yeah. jumper. But I mean, it's one thing to watch a YouTube video. We saw him on court. 
being guarded, having still the same stroke. Right. I was impressed with his release. I was impressed with the height and the quickness of his release. I was impressed with his ability to run the floor. I was impressed with his ability to get right down yeah. low in position on the block, even though that wasn't necessarily uh, a good idea for a no. team strategy with yeah. with his teammates on the floor, which you know I think it was a big discredit to his game to have him to, to, to playing alongside. Most of his minutes were with Langston Galloway yeah. running the point. And uh, he just couldn't get anything going tonight. Uh, They're going to have to figure out how to play him, I think. I don't think he's he's not going to be capable of posting up any NBA power forward right now. Not at all now, right. And that that's exactly it. Will that come? Sure, maybe it will come. But if not, I think he's going to be an effective enough player if we treat him like a, a sort of a Dirk Nowitzki, the yeah. kind of... Uh, you know, seven footer high post, very much not like a yeah, seven footer or high post, or you just screen for him and he comes all you know comes right. around a screen like he's a shooter, right? You know? Right. Uh, I guess I want to move to the other guys because there are a couple of other guys that I really care about. I mean, look, I'm high on this team right now, not because I think they're going to win 50 games or make the playoffs, because they have young, athletic NBA players for the first time in two years, right. people who should belong on an NBA roster. Yeah, yeah, that that was missing. For a little yeah, bit. that was missing. So I like Jerry and Grant. Uh, I I wouldn't say I was super impressed, but I liked his confidence. Right, like you, you have now this sort of like this sort of class of players that are coming in. I mean, it, you can even we can mention Clay Anthony Early, who I saw both last year and this year in summer league, and you know he looked like he was engaged and good and, and willing to run the floor, and, and he was trying to make maybe maybe slightly playing a little bit outside of himself today, but that can be expected when you're when you're getting some quality minutes for the first time in in, in a long time. I don't know exactly how much he played yeah. last year, but um, I like the way he looked. I like the way Jerry and Grant looked, and. Um, Somebody. The other thing I wanted to mention too um, is, you know, uh, one thing I always have a problem with is a lot of people will 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 discredit any sort of assessment of a summer league performance by the sort of the the the, the mandate you don't trust a summer league game. And while that's almost entirely true, I agree with that almost entirely. There's there's levels of nuance involved, and and to me. You know, a reason I come here and watch basketball for 10 straight days is not because there's absolutely nothing to be learned from it. I, I beg to differ. I just think that there's a context involved. And when, when you're playing, A, the Spurs, B, with Becky Hammond in charge of coaching the Spurs and trying as hard as she can to showcase what she's learned as under the tutelage of Greg Popovich as her first year as an assistant coach and running the helm for the first time and even crediting him with teaching her this style – they were playing Spurs basketball for a summer league team beyond yeah, what you it was, might even it was, it was like, you know, Knicks were doing their thing. They didn't look like a team yet. Right. And and that being said, yes, the summer league squad is not necessarily comprised of all ready-to-play pros who have played together for a while, but they do have system. And in this case, every time the Knicks ran their triangle, which they did, yeah. you could see the Spurs aggressively doubled out of the guy who held the ball. The Knicks don't know what the hell they're doing. And yet. they didn't know and what they no were doing. No clue. I mean, that was clear that, like... Like one team has a system, the other team is figuring it out. But I'll say this: uh, Clanton early looked good, and you know it's like I could see these three guys out on the court with you know Mello. I could see them out on the court with Robin Lopez. You know, absolutely. I could see them out on the court with a Flalo, and uh, you know Kylo Quinn. I like too. We'll get into the free agents, but I'm 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 high on them. Obviously, I'm a Knicks fan. You know, you are a Knicks fan, so you know your objective assessment is more positive than negative of these guys, you'd say. Definitely. I definitely, like, I, I was higher on Porzingis as a draft pick um, from the moment I, I started watching him. I looked for all those sort of, you know, 
all those red flags that you know that and, and I'm aware of them and I, I do see listen I'm not saying this guy's a guaranteed star by any means but I do think that I still think that with some development if they play him right now I I wasn't crazy about the Knicks as being the team that will develop him and that's just because of you know what because <laughs> of our track record of I don't need everything. To, I don't need to spell that out yeah. for you right but but at the same time um I think he's a good pick and I especially think that another thing that we can pretty much throw out into the atmosphere from what we've seen already is that this draft class in general might not be all that. Oh, we got to get into that. So we got to, before we get into that, I just want to quickly talk about the Knicks team as a whole, because I do want to talk about the rest of the summer league that we saw. I just want to say, you know, I've talked myself into Robin Lopez and Aflalo and Kyle Quinn and Derek Williams as our picks. You've talked yourself into Derek Williams? No, I actually haven't. He's the one I haven't talked myself into. It's tricky because I read some, like, Sacramento blog, and they said it's amazing that this guy still is in the league. He has no NBA-level skills. It's true. It's true. So, I watched some Derek Williams last year, and well, before last year, I... I he doesn't. He doesn't really have much of a game. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what how that'll move the needle and which way or what, how many minutes he's expected to play. Yeah, and again, you know, the, the deal was horrible giving him a player option if he performs well for the second year to then go out and get a better deal from somebody else. Like who is negotiating? <laughs> like who are you fighting over Derek Williams for? <laughs> I mean, the guy is an NBA league minimum player in my opinion. You know, he's got some upside because he was a number two pick, but that's just like good agent or something. Yeah, you know, I, I think it, and maybe it was at a point where they, they felt like, you know, Nick's uh, beggars can't be Hard, hard to get people. Right? I, I, I think that that was uh, of their own mind. Nobody was nobody was in the hunt for Derek Williams at two years, $10 million. No they, way. They said almost everybody that you named was signed after the draft. Isn't that accurate? Yeah. So maybe there was some sort of damage control involved. No, there, and you know, PR-wise. Look, maybe there is, but I've, I've liked, I like Kyle, Kyle O'Quinn. I've, I love I've seen Kyle him, Yeah, and I, I've, I, every time I saw him in limited minutes, I thought, oh, man, if this guy played 30 minutes a game, he would be a legitimate force on a team. You know, like you, if he's your fourth best player, you're, you're doing okay. Right, and he might, you know, he's the kind of player that, you know, might really uh, fill out some of the problems that you have with Porzingis down low. Yeah. Because he's a scrappy guy who's undersized, so yeah. the opposite of Porzingis. Yeah. Thus far, a not scrappy guy who's oversized. And it, so, you know, the, the pieces don't necessarily fit on the court yet. That's where I'm like, where do, where, where do they play? Melo's always on the block, so where's everybody else? Yeah, well, the thing that, the thing that I like to think about is, is sort of like what you said about, you know, like... Where do, where was rebounding in 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 the in Euroball one hundred and one? And I think Kyle uh, I think Kyle Quinn will be a, a good kind of guy to throw on the floor and be an instant. I, I, I love I love that he's a hard worker. I also love that Robin Williams and Aflalo are hard workers. <laughs> you mean Robin Lopez? Robin Williams, not too Robin Williams. I'm himself. sorry, Robin Lopez. Yes, Robin Williams is a, is a is a blue collar. Robin Williams was a hard worker. He did. He's he put very, out a ton of he put it all out there. Yeah. Uh, God rest his soul. But Robin Williams. Uh, Robin Lopez <laughs> is a, a sort of throwback uh, defensive center with so limited. He makes Tyson Chandler look like, uh, you know, <laughs> Luau Sindor. I mean, he he's got no, he he makes Bismarck Biombo's game look polished. He has, he, but but I'll tell you what he does do. You know, in the Tyson Chandler mold, is he cuts hard down the middle and he's seven feet and he has good hands and he can finish. Absolutely, yeah. Robin Lopez is an effective center, um, and and interestingly enough, got got paid less than I would have expected a guy. You say less. Uh, right. 
interesting because a lot of that, people well, that, were hit, or, like, uh, in the context of I've heard a lot of criticism about his contract, which doesn't make sense. Thirteen to me million to for a big center teams. is pretty on par, I would think. Thirteen, fourteen million for a seven footer who can play forty minutes a game. Yeah, and I'm not defending the contract specifically. I'm saying it doesn't stand out to me. He's as, in his prime. Yeah, yeah he's in his prime. He's an athlete. And he's a defensive yeah. anchor to a team that sucks on defense. Right. I and mean, I don't know what anyone's complaining about with Robin Lopez. I mean, if they're complaining in the context of not getting Greg Monroe. That's what they're that's complaining about. That's probably what's going on, yeah. You know, but if you just look at the Robin Lopez signing for what it is and you look at the NBA landscape, it's a fair deal. In fact, it's a good deal. Now we have an anchor for the next four years at center. I mean, what do we need? Robin we don't need Lopez a, we and don't Kyle need a Quinn on the defensive end, considering that what we're looking at with this new young squad yeah. is essential to get some of these boards that I Greg yeah. Monroe is not going to be no, and he's not he's not a defensive, not a defensive player, player Here's the thing: I think Robin Lopez fits better for two reasons. One, he's defensive minded. Two, he's not going to be upset if he doesn't shoot ten shots a game. We already have Mello. Porzingis is purely an offensive player at this point in his career. Jerry and Grant looks like an offensive player, although he's athletic and so is Clay Anthony Early. They're going to have to learn how to play defense, but these are guys who want to shoot. And uh, yeah, and Langston Galloway from today was was very offensive player, but whether or yeah, not he, he's, he's an offensive minded he's, player, he looks, might be a I don't know. Like, I'm getting flashbacks of Felton from Galloway, but I'm hoping that that was just a one game thing. And a flaw I just want to talk about quickly because. I was excited about him, and then, you know, as typical Knicks fans, we dig a little deeper, and now everybody's crapping on him, saying he's over the hill, his defense has slipped so much, he's getting by on reputation. That's not what I saw, but I, you know, look, I didn't watch every game, but that's not what I saw. I saw a guy in his prime who's a good two-way player. He's not an all-star, but he's a good two-way guard. Yeah, the thing about Afalo is, you know, he was running into some bad luck because, I mean, he, he had, I believe it was two seasons ago, he was he, he, he kind of fell off a little bit numbers-wise, and then he kind of rebounded last year when he joined Portland, and then he he quickly got hurt, and so he was playing right. hurt through the postseason, and he looked horrible. I mean, yeah, there's no way around that. But, but you know, I'm a big believer in the in the in the injury sort of trumps everything when you're assessing a guy. If you yeah. once you discover that it, that a guy was playing hurt in, in a situation where you know they the guy has to play, i.e. the playoffs, I I give them a, a a pretty big pass on that unless you know I see this you know becoming a pattern. And with a follow like, um. Look, it remains to be seen what a follower you're going to see, uh, but he's an effective shooter. He's definitely going to be a better shooter than what we saw from the outside today, and you're going to need that. When they're kicking out of those double teams, if they're going to be insistent on using this triangle, that ball is going to move. A lot of the guys that were on the perimeter, a lot of guys, more of the shooters that we didn't mention, the, it was Ricky Lito. And yeah. There's another guy whose name I don't uh, don't remember right off the bat. There was a couple of shooters that really looked like they hadn't developed much of a jump shot there. Their legs were going everywhere. They hadn't they hadn't really lined up the shot. They just sort of caught it and launched it, and and they, they weren't even they weren't even uh, expecting to be in a position where they were going to shoot the ball. They just sort of took it off. And so and you want to see a guy who's a professional shooter narrowing a follow. The only issue I want to the one thing that I'm curious about with the follow is certain aspect of his game where once when he catches he needs to he often uses a little bit of space and he takes his time putting himself into a move and putting himself into position which gives defenders about a second beat to get on him and so um, I'm hoping that he'll have another option to move the ball and keep it going and then he won't distract any of this sort of you know, ball movement that you're going to be defending I, I, and I think look at the end of the day we're, we're leaving out the main piece which is the entire offense revolves around Melo right 
Right, we do, yeah. We, uh, we, we really haven't mentioned Melo other than him just being Melo on the floor. And essentially, a lot of this can be thrown out the window because we, we're we just going to have to see how they play with the most important player on the Knicks roster. That's how this really yeah, should be assessed. I, I, and, and, you know, look, everybody who, who knows me knows I'm a Melo apologist. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm probably one of the last Melo apologists out there, and I'm not giving him a pass this year. He should be healthy, mm-hmm. locked and loaded, with many options to pass quickly too. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think if you don't see Mel come out at least determined and barring in some unfortunate injury or something along those lines, you want to see him engaged, you want to see him playing and 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 frankly you want to see him return to being yeah, Mello. I want to see the Knicks make the playoffs. I mean, that's what I want. I mean, I expect it. You expect the playoffs. I expect the playoffs. I love to hear that. Because of Flalo and Robin Lopez and Carmelo Anthony are used to going to the playoffs. That's three fifths of your starting lineup. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like they're not losers. You know what I mean? Like this, like Mello. People talk all this crap about Mello, but he never missed the playoffs before last year. Yeah, well, no, that, that, you, that's you know right. what I mean. Like the, these aren't, you know, and 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 Lopez and Flalo are, you know, these guys are solid NBA. Every Calderon's a solid NBA player. I mean, your your lineup. I don't know who your starting two guard is right now. I don't know if it's Grant. You know, I'm not really sure how the roster is shaping up. But look, that's I'm obviously an optimist. I think they win somewhere between 35 and 45 games. I don't know. I mean, that's that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, I don't have any numbers totaled for what I've sort of projected this year. I usually like to wait for the end of summer league and give like sort of an official breakdown of what where yeah. I think these. I mean, teams this is are. if Melo's healthy, obviously. Yeah, Melo being healthy would have to be a, a factor in a 35-45 to 45 win season for the Knicks this year. But, um, you know, what's an interesting thought, and I don't have absolutely any numbers to support this, although it, it's sort of a just sort of a theory that I, I half-baked up yesterday, where I, I was thinking about looking into the sort of the way rookies improve their game the course of the first regular season. Because I, mean, I was thinking about how a lot of players that we sort of, that are in, let's say, like not necessarily lottery picks, not necessarily walk-ons, but in those sort of just mid-draft range, a lot of times you see these guys, um, depending on the season, let's say there, there's a season where a team goes from playoff mode to tank mode, per se, they might, a lot of times guys will get more burn on the floor, and as a result of that, they're, they suddenly their 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 game is elevated beyond our expectations. So at least some of these rookies, not necessarily specifically on the Knicks, but on, on any team, there's always like one or two guys per roster who shows a flash that we didn't expect from them at any point in the season. Like I'm thinking along the lines of best case scenario, someone like Rudy Gobert on Utah, mm-hmm. who, you know, people knew he had game and people knew he was a defensive blocker. Yeah. But when, when he got more and more minutes – out of necessity and out of the, yeah. the team can lose, he became basically... That's why I like Summer League, actually. That's where you get that flash of like, oh, crap, this guy is going to, you know, could be exactly. a player. Exactly. By the way, you know who I think is not a player so far is the Greek freak's brother. Yeah, uh, yeah. there's some question marks about him. Thanos Antetokounmpo. And after you and I watched Blake Griffin's brother yesterday. We did watch Blake Griffin. We watched Blake Griffin's we saw brother, some Tyler. Yeah, we saw, oh, by the way, this is a, like the most nepotismic <laughs> league. Uh, the and summer it, league is like everybody, it's like uh, Glenn Rice the third. Uh, Al Horford's got a brother. Millsap's got a brother. I believe John Ty- Stockton's Griffin's got a brother. Stockton's son. Larry Nance's yeah. son. I mean, it's... 
Yeah. It's pretty funny. It's Jawan pretty funny. Howard Jr. Is Jawan on Howard Jr. is on. We don't know where he. Goes. It, yeah, it goes on and on and on. Anyway, I just want to. I want to move on to the just in general the summer league. I, I you know like I said I, I expect the Knicks to make the playoffs. It's bold, but I think it, it would be more of a return to form for Melo as a leader of a team. Right. I mean, listen. There's there's no reason to think that they don't have a chance to make the playoffs. Um, a lot of these other teams that they'd be competing for those bottom rung playoff spots. Nets are garbage. Indiana is kind of in flux. Indiana is probably the biggest of the question marks, right? Like, we, right. like everyone's sort of saying, well, they'll they'll improve from last year because they have a healthy Paul George coming back. But I, I just don't think, like, basketball winning yeah. is that simple. You don't just, you know, the guy doesn't, you know, he, he got off, he played a few games last year and, you know, he showed that he's, he's getting healthier yeah. and so on and so forth. But... You all of a sudden are returning him to a vastly different roster, yeah. a vastly different role on this Pacers yeah. team, right? Yeah. And so we've already heard whispers that they want to go small ball, and their show, their 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 moves, their their roster moves have, have kind of supported that theory. So we're looking at a different look for the Pacers. So they're yeah. a question mark, and um, teams like my boys, the bad boys. I'm, I'm a Pistons guy for, for yeah. I mean, look, I think they're very much in the same at the same level. Look, I I think the eight, seven, and eight seeds are open again in the East. And I think the Knicks should be competing for them. Uh, but I'd like to get into the rest of the summer league. So, you know, Mike said something that might be a shock to a lot of you guys out there is that uh, we both share an opinion after a couple of days of summer league that this draft might not be the boon that everybody said it was um, a week or two ago because there's something about a star, like a real NBA star, that you see it anytime you see him play. For unless look, unless it's a guy that needs a long time to develop, but I was under the impression that Carl Anthony Towns was ready for the NBA. There was that because, uh, and I think a lot of that was sort of reflective of of how unready for the NBA his comp- competitors for these top lottery positions were. Right, so yeah, so the big sort of takeaway was that Carl Anthony Towns is more ready to play in the NBA yeah. than Okafor. Right, right, is, is but that- but I mean we have to I mean we have to say it. D'Angelo Russell was also supposed to be ready to play in the NBA right now. Absolutely. I mean, but the thing is... That, we, I mean, no, by the way, I'm saying this because we just watched them play, and it was very, very underwhelming. Yeah, he was not playing well at all. Uh, D'Angelo, uh, D'Angelo Russell did not live up to the hype. But then again... It's one game sample. We're in a one-game sample. <laughs> that's exactly right. We're, we're jumping, we're jumping. I, like, I mean, we're we going, have to lay that as the Of course. Ultimate. I mean, because that's what you do at Summer League. You make bold, you know, wild statements about that. And I'll even go... Even further with my sort of qualifier in that D'Angelo Russell is probably the least that I watched prior to the draft. I knew probably the least about him yeah. than any of the other available players. So I was going in there blindly just knowing about the hype surrounding him, but having seen very little video. But again, what we didn't see, and this is what concerns me, is we didn't see any explosiveness. We didn't see any aggression towards the hoop right. from D'Angelo Russell. Especially, yes. There was a, there was a couple of transition plays where... He didn't just look like he had half a step behind NBA players. He looked like he was lost. Yeah. You know, not even kind of trailing and looking for the guy running the secondary break before he really had control yeah. of the ball at the half court and just guys from, you know, bigs catching up to him on defense. And, not, not a good And it's funny, you know, uh, Mike and I talked about the fact that our opinion after watching the and we watched with a bunch of other guys who also felt the same way because our eyes were not deceiving us. But if you watch it on TV, you may have come away with a different impression because some of the reviews – where oh you know he was pretty pretty good pretty good opening day for Towns. 
Yeah, well, so even then, you know, I, I looked into some of those where they, where there were, you know, there was some where we were wondering. Apparently, the way it was was they were sort of more or less ranking these guys for, you know, looking at the draft picks and give, yeah. they have to give them, they have to, you, you everyone gets a number. Of it course. was that sort of, of that sort of thing. So, so the praise column was probably like less full than most people would have expected or hoped for. Yeah. Um, now this now this draft. You know, should, it should be said too that like you know a lot of this sort of speculation was that it wasn't necessarily like there are more or less star drafts compared to depth drafts right where this is a depth draft this is supposed to be a depth draft but the thing is like it doesn't necessarily even look like it might be that de- deep of a draft either well um, w- 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 right again and, and, that, that, and that's a that's really yeah, jumping yeah, yeah. the clock we, we are definitely know? jumping it but, but I'm so saying far, with the guys that we've seen yeah, so far one through ten we haven't seen a star we haven't seen a star. Um, um, have we seen a star? Well, you know what? I mean, today we saw maybe a star on the Spurs. Kyle Anderson was that his name? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I beg to differ on that. I mean, I, we saw Kyle Anderson play one of his better games. Yeah, and, uh, we I'm also a- saw the best dunk. Maybe we're gonna see. Uh, you gotta go watch the video of this guy named Jonathan Simmons who threw down a I'm glad monster you didn't dunk. His name because I I was taking monster notes dunk. about the guy. I actually should mention this. I was writing down notes about how much I like that guy's game, and that's why I missed the dunk because I was oh really? Right, yeah, I, was exactly yeah, yeah. Right. I would say he's got to have a vertical in the forties because yeah. Somebody, I, I I saw the replay. I'm oh saying I missed God. it live. I heard the ooh, and, oh, and, and then I, we. We did, see, we did see a good Zach Levine dunk. That was incredible. That was a monster. If you haven't seen Zach Levine, by the way, you also learn, you know, it's cool to see some of these second-year guys because they are really trying to polish their game in the offseason. And clearly, he spent a lot of time in the gym working on his jumper because he looked he confident. He came out and shot. He had his first two threes. Uh, he he's looks never like, been too shy, though. No, but he looks like his game is filling out. Yes, you know that's true. And he put on—he did, he did look like he put on a little bit of mass. And yeah, he's, he's ready to, to sort of and, diminish that role between being a point guard and a shooting guard. Yeah, and, and then he's able to kind of tackle either thing you might ask him to do more than he was last year. I think is is definitely a possibility. We we also liked Randall's game. I just want to say this oh. real quick. I don't know if you even re- realize this. We didn't really discuss this, but you and I. Live are two for two and seeing monstrous Zach Levine dunks. We've seen him play live twice at UCLA. at UCLA. That's right. Where he just threw down the hammer of God. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty amazing to see that guy dunk in game, which and is hard. You know, it's hard to see these crazy in game dunks. So when you get to see him, it's pretty awesome. Uh, we are lucky. We're on the Zach Levine. We thought he was Jewish. We That's thought he was we... Jewish, and you know what? Uh, <laughs> we, we only love, we only love him a little bit less. Yeah, just, just slightly. No, but so uh, Randall looked. Uh, good and bad. Randall looked amazing in the sense that he's much quicker than I would have ever imagined for a guy that size. I liked Randall a lot last year in summer league too, and that's yeah. why I I thought that the thing that was interesting to me is that like you know obviously unfortunately today we got the the really bad news for the Sixers that Embiid is is gone. Yeah. Then he's having another foot surgery and he'll be gone another year. And God, that's horrible. You know, it's horrible to yep. hear that about anyone. But um, you know. Before this injury and this setback, I noticed that a lot of the second-year players that were expected to come in and and sort of just be who they were instantly, i.e. Embiid, also Jamari Parker. There were a lot of injuries. That's there was a sneak bit draft. These are guys that people are like they're 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 giving the team more wins based on their. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But I noticed like Randall was still looked at as a question mark. People were people weren't expect just sort of. Omission by whatever, yeah. they his name wouldn't come up as oh the Lakers are getting Randall back in the sort of Laker assessment. And to me it was 
wait a minute, I really was looking forward to seeing this guy I saw play last year at Summer League who I was impressed with. Then, of course, you know, I was watching the game live when he broke his leg. Yeah. He was traumatized. But yeah. I expect a lot from him, and I expect him to help this team tremendously. Yeah, he's going to be really good. He's going to be really good. Uh, and and uh, just when you watch, uh, what is he, 6'8", six, 6'9"? Six, yeah, 6'8". You know, when you watch a guy that size, um, you know, you expect him to bang on the block or have a couple of moves, but you don't usually expect him to have that fluid, like he had a cr- crazy spin move on somebody. Yes. Uh, it, it was like we, we both saw it and we're like, he can do that. <laughs> like he has a, a, a skill set. That is above and beyond most most power forwards in the NBA. Yeah, he's very economical with his speed yes. and his footwork. He, right? he, he was at the top. Of the, he was like at the top, uh, like free throw line, and mm-hmm. he it was like one step, one dribble, spin move, lay it in. You, rarely you see a guy of his size and speed be able to make themselves small. We right? were talking he, about Zach sort of Randolph, right? I think with somebody there, and we were saying, oh yeah, he's like a stronger, like leaner. Zach Randolph, but the problem was, the flip side is, he doesn't quite have that soft finishing touch yet that Randolph mastered. Right. And by the way, we were talking about this. I did read, I read a quote from him to this morning that he actually addressed that specifically. He said, I wasn't happy with my handle and my soft touch around so the he, He's like, that's I like something that. I usually am better at. He's like, that was rust. He, Good. he attributed that to the rust from coming back off the injury. Not Good. at all concerned. You yet. know, and maybe we're giving everybody a hard time because what we saw so far in the first couple of days is people not finishing, which drives me nuts for seven footers that are supposed to be NBA ready. It's like, come on, throw the ball down. Dunk the ball then, you know? Don't right. miss finger rolls. Don't miss... You know, little floaters when you're seven feet and you're the hoop. And then, you know, a lot of this too, it, it, a lot of this comes back to where, you know, and, and I gotta say, I was more impressed at this year with the general, just the general play compared to last year from what I've seen, where um, I think a lot of that might be attributable to the fact that some elite teams, as we mentioned, are these kind of ragtag teams. That right, they don't know together. where they're supposed to be. People, like, they haven't played together before, yeah. is the long and short of it. And so when you have guys like that, it's it's harder to create a play for a center down yeah. low where somebody can't, where they can't um, adjust defensively and get over to you. Because if you're not running like a solid pick and roll or running some sort of action to get that center into, a, into a, yeah. an optimal position for him to get the ball in the post... You know, even great centers, they usually need that, you know, half a step space yeah. to control themselves, yeah. you know, create a sky hook or whatever it is, a yeah. dunk. And, and, and um, you know, so give the guy a system, give him some more time to train with NBA experts on that level and and, and get bigger and yeah. better. And, and then we'll really see what, what kind of post moves these guys have. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely too early, but you know, look, we're here, we're doing the podcast, we're doing a little... we got to talk yeah. about something. Yeah, you gotta speculate. You gotta speculate. <laughs> you gotta speculate. I, 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 we, yeah. we just saw the Suns Wizards. I really liked Archie Goodwin, another second year guy that you get to like see these guys really shine. Yeah, Archie Goodwin looked good, didn't he? TJ yeah. Warren, another second year guy who I also. Yeah, liked. yeah. Phoenix, you know, I, I, I wasn't super impressed with Len because he missed again. He missed mishandled a couple of easy, but he's huge, huge in person. It's amazing to see some of these giants too. There was that George J. Murazon looking guy. <laughs> yeah, what's his name? If Burati, if Buran or something. I forget what. I I'm, call, I'm calling him a Murazon like rhyme, but it's not. But some of these guys are enormous. He is a who is the boy. oh oh. Upshaw on the Lakers, enormous. Enormous man. Also looked like he may be a player. I thought, yeah, I liked him. Uh, there is there is a two or three guys that I, that I like that went undrafted. Upshaw was on the top of that list for me. He's a guy that I couldn't believe wasn't drafted. I know that there was some sort of nebulous uh, problem, some off court issues that they as they like to uh, unilaterally call yeah. them for these guys. But yeah. um, 
Somebody told me he got kicked out of two schools. Now I, you know that I don't know why, and I don't want to know why because we're over that, we're past that. So yeah, what he, I do, he looked good. I just like his game, and I hope yeah. that that's something that we'll see continue to develop. And okay, yeah, can we can we talk about Seth Curry for a second? Because like he scored thirty, and then he scored twenty five today, and I think it's misleading because I think he stinks. I think he stinks too. Um, and he missed. All by the way, and he, he hit one of nine threes. So, like, what is he really going to do on the court? You know what I mean? That's the one thing that would keep him in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Seth Curry, he's been on. He's been on several um, on several summer league as well as D league rosters. So, there, you know, there's obviously some question marks about his game all yeah. across the league, right? Yeah. It's not something that we discovered. Oh, and you know who played great today, apparently? I didn't see the game. Dallas uh, pick Justin Anderson was a, a beast. Oh, is that right? First pick. That, yeah. I hadn't heard anything yeah, about that. Yeah, 23-7. Um, I, I did want to finish the podcast by talking about the DeAndre Jordan fiasco. You know, we live in L.A., and, um, you know, there's definitely – it's sort of kind of become a little bit of a clipper town in the last couple of years, and DeAndre has sort of become – uh, more hype than his actual game warrants slightly. I mean, I think he's a very good player, but it's just in a different year, like, you know, if Durant was a free agent, you know, uh, DeAndre Jordan would be an afterthought. You know, I mean, I, I think because LaMarcus Aldridge was number one best player, DeAndre Jordan was the second best player in all of free agency. You know, so it became... The focal point, DeAndre Jordan became a focal point of free agency, and the way it played out, obviously, as we all know, he, you know, made a verbal agreement with Dallas, and then the banana boat came to the rescue of the Clippers and uh, Doc Rivers and and Blake Griffin. And I know that you and I share our distaste for everything Clipper. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, or we, well, let's just say that their hobby of ours is clicking is is, is laughing at um at, at Clipper. Uh, yeah, I don't think Doc Rivers is a. Uh, I don't think Doc Rivers is a good coach. I have to say that because I think he had the same wins as Vinny Del Negro, Vinny Del Pino, uh, <laughs> and I don't think he uh, is a good GM. And that's part of why I don't think he's a good coach because he does both jobs and he gives himself bad players and even the good players that he has he doesn't play like he should have been playing Spencer Hawes last year that was a huge mistake the doc jam debacle and there's no other word for it really is sort of illuminating in the sense that it really shows you and, and you can talk about it all day and there's other examples too of how the dual role usually is it can be problematic for guys and you know um it's not it's been said before we haven't discovered this on our own but but um to me the just the level to which a guy who's considered a you know a guru a, a guru as we like to say <laughs> um, as a coach and you know love him or hate him and he, and he can be you know he can be a uh, polarizing coach just because of his attitude and because of the teams that he's coached the Celtics the Clippers these could both be polarizing teams and so Doc Rivers is yeah. sort of like a hot topic yeah. guy but I mean to me it his in a his his lack of talent as a DM, as a GM, has like really detracted from his ability to coach. Yes. So it's almost like he yes, took the, the, one hand way, and he's sort of taking like, away with the other. I mean, and, and but but we shouldn't we shouldn't discount the fact that they had no business losing to Houston. Well, that that to me, I mean, that ultimately is where is where I, I, I think that Doc Rivers 
if, to, if I could just lay it on the line, I think he's a slightly overrated coach. Yeah. And I think he's a horrible he's GM. He's a horrible and GM. He's a solid coach. Yeah, he's a solid he's coach. He's a solid coach. He is a solid coach. I'm giving him crap because they lost to Houston, which was despicable. And that, and that, and that, and I think that was more of the after effect of his uh, of of his GMing. But but he yeah. was still not able to see this problem before plenty of writers and analysts yeah. were seeing this way ahead. Yeah. Way it's down okay, road. we can't rely on Austin Rivers to win, buddy. Right. And then there's <laughs> also examples of you know when when he procured Spencer Hawes and all these things. He he he. Unnecessarily gave away a second round draft. He or he, I'm sorry, he used the um, one of his invaluable provisions. I, I, I think it was the uh, mid level exception right, or something yeah, like and that. And he didn't play him, uh, right? Well, and he didn't play him. And then, you know it, that you know, 2020 hindsight. A lot of people, I I can, I know a lot of people have said this, and I'm on that same thing. I thought Spencer Hawes would pan out a lot better than he did too. So I, he I almost don't him. even blame him for that. I do. He didn't play him. I mean, DeAndre Jordan is a non-entity well, we have to, on well, offense. We have to blame Doc Rivers, the coach, for not playing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like who do we blame? Doc Rivers is like, hey, it's not my fault. It's the GM's fault. Right. 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 And <laughs> but, the other, yeah. And the other thing, just to, I'm sorry, real quick, just to go back on what you're saying about DeAndre is like, free agency does this to us as much as we. As much as we tease teams about, you know, getting, like, over-enthused about a player, like, as fans, we go freaking I just talked crazy. myself into Robin Lopez. Exactly. I mean, come on. Exactly. And you thought he was, uh, and you thought he was uh, the comedian from Working Mindy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, like, I know, I know, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know. But, you know, I was like, with, with DeAndre Jordan, let's just think of it this way. If I told you 12 months ago, DeAndre Jordan, let's start watching a Clipper game. See, see that guy? See that talented center down there? He is going to devastate the Mavericks organization. Yeah, it would have not, not made any sense. Yeah, it nuts. wouldn't have made any sense. But that's what that's what free agency can do. And of course, obviously, these are very you know these are very out there circumstances that could yeah. never be duplicated. They were entirely enjoyable. It was great oh, as a as a as a everything. But you, first of all, for Doc, by the way, to not know what's going on in your own house. For for Chris Paul to not know that DeAndre felt this way about him, you know the bullying, the the whatever, the not giving him high fives, the chip on his shoulder that had been building for years I, I, apparently. I'm gonna I'm gonna come right out and say this point blank. I don't believe that for a second. And another thing about Doctor is I don't believe one word that comes out of his yeah. Mind. He's if it I, has I, a skin I, I I agree. I, we we don't know. We don't really know. I, I I I'm more inclined to say I do know that he's. I don't want to call him a liar, yeah. but I want to do the next best thing without any legal ramifications. <laughs> okay, all right. So, so, so then, why do you think DeAndre left? I mean, for for a week. <laughs> well, I no, no, no. I'm oh no. I I agree that he was being bullied. But oh well, yeah. I'm saying the fact that that they didn't know about it. I'm oh, saying that oh, Doc Rivers knew a, what was oh, going on. Oh, I know. On. Yeah, 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 I I believe Doc that Rivers was you. complicit in it. Right, I believe. Well, his his idea was sweeping it under the rug. I believe the reason that yeah. Doc Roberts continued to compare DeAndre Jordan's defensive game to Bill Russell last year was because he knew about his very sensitive ego. Yeah, and I, 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 I this is just what I believe. DeAndre is clearly a child. I believe he had an ulterior motive, and I believe that the moment he listen, said it, I don't believe Doc Rivers. DeAndre is an immature, immature guy. He's yeah. obviously an immature guy, and 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 they know Paul and Doc seem to know how to manipulate him, and I think this whole signing is like the biggest sort of damning like the fact that you have to lock a an adult 
in his house until he signs the contract to come back to you guys says everything about your organization. It's not a good look. It says everything about an organization that did a great job of rebuilding as a as a, as a fairy tale. Yeah, by the way, to a very yeah, badly. Yeah, by the way, they were they were a disgrace of the league a year ago, and now they're a disgrace. And in between, they became the, the fairy tale of the league. And now they're a disgrace again. And DeAndre's a disgrace because as a man, you, you don't you don't hide from what's can, going on. We can on. get into this. Yeah. This is like kind of non basketball. We could go. Up, we yeah, could go I mean, up. look, he's a, he's a, a little like why why couldn't you just call or pick up the phone when Cuban is calling you? You, you pick up the phone. Yeah. You pick up the phone. You don't tweet an apology three days. Yeah, later. I mean, you don't have a sleepover party with your teammates yeah, no, when you are literally screwing. Yeah, uh, and 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 the financial and basketball ramifications are disastrous for D- Dallas. Absolutely, and you know what? What I've said this. I said this, Lord. It, 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 it bears repeating, like, DeAndre Jordan left Dallas completely in a disaster mode. And yeah. that was the best-case scenario that only one team was really left that. Yeah, that, yeah. A free agent of his caliber doing something like that, if it's were to happen effects. again, yeah. would normally have a domino effect across the No, and, and, you know, and like, look, look, Phoenix was the beneficiary of it because they got Tyson Chandler. They did get Tyson Chandler, and there was a beneficiary, and I believe that even if this was to get more complicated, there would be more beneficiaries, but there would also be more disasters, yeah. and it would just have a ripple effect. It needs, the rule needs to be stable. Yeah, they need to fix it. It has to be the day that free agency begins, you should be able to sign that person, and that's it. Or there's a two or three day, the same way that there is, you know, restricted free agency. You know, you can make an offer sheet, and it's out for three days, and you're screwed. But eight days of everybody getting off the table... And there's nobody left for them to sign. There's garbage. There's complete shit at the center level. And now they're screwed. And DeAndre, as a as a man, should have told Mark Cuban what was going on. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. So I, I mean, I'm I just consider him a disgrace permanently. He's a disgrace. No, I I will. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the Clippers their side of the story. Yeah. That the, the, I'm gonna give them. I'm gonna credit them with one thing. I I, I do, I do believe that. I'm not going to name by name specifically the guy causing this to, this this fueling this fire. Uh-huh. But guys like Broussard, Chris Broussard, who, oh, who what a jackass! What a jackass! Definitely made this situation. Yeah, he said Cuban was was driving around, and then Cuban uh, offered a hundred thousand dollars to charity if he could cite a source, and then he had to go apologizing. Yeah, there's all these stupid you know bloggers in the NBA space that you know need to feel like they're a part of something they're not a part of. Well, yeah, it, it's just that you know he, he issued this report and he and he and he took what what appeared to be some sort of artistic license in how the scenario yeah. was playing. And the thing about it is, you have this very dicey situation. Like, on what level, you know, you use that? I think you meant sort of. I think you meant sort of symbolically. Like, I don't think that like Blake and Chris Paul like physically restrained DeAndre Jordan or shackled him with anything. But but they maybe peer pressured him right. like a child. Well, my point my point with that is that. Where I'm going with this is that the report indicated that he was literally almost being detained in his house. Yeah. And this was all live on Twitter before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is always says. A lot of people were were sort of, in hindsight, being sort of made fun of because they were like, look at you, you idiots. So I'll believe that he was really being held hostage. No, well, but I do think there mentally... There were official reports yeah, oh, that that's he was true. being Yeah, yeah, hostage. that's true. So we had a... We, had, a we had our official we had our official media people saying that. But also, even if you thought literal, not literal, the fact that you have five people in your house that are, are not leaving... It's not good. It's, it's it, a very there, bad. You shouldn't be playing any games with your teammates when you've committed to another team. They shouldn't be... 
we shouldn't know. Yeah, it's 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 a disgrace. But and you know when I say DeAndre is permanently disgraced, I I say this you know knowing that I don't think he would have done anything wrong by going back because at the end of the day he probably should be on the Clippers. I mean that's where he fits in. I don't really know what Dallas would have even done with him. It probably wouldn't have gotten them over the edge in any way, shape, or form. He fits in as a third banana. Chandler Parsons said it best. He was afraid to be the man. He wouldn't fit as a man. He has no offensive game. He's not Shaq. Uh, and and so for him to go back, it makes sense. And you're allowed to change your mind. Any of us can change our mind about a job. It's just the way you do it. There are There's a right way to do something as a grown-up. It's like... Well, you know, and the other thing that, that I think should be, should be addressed, that, like, I feel like we're not getting enough... <coughs> excuse me. We're not getting enough... Um, a, 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 a big reason that that changing on your on your verbal promise to join the team is such a huge huge problem is because the way the media and especially the media in its current in its current yeah. state of just being everywhere and instantaneous, yeah. the way we handle free agency as a unit is we look at these these um, these verbal agreements as gospel yes. and report on. The, the direct the direct results of the team's right. prospects for the next season. Well, in my eyes, there's a very good chance that DeAndre just literally saw some of these criticisms of what he was going to be like in Dallas and how deficient his game. Oh, was. absolutely. And that, and that you know we talk about the Chris Paul problem. We call yeah. it. There's a very good reason, very good chance that he read some newspapers that he said may have realized. Idea he may have realized because you know he was probably getting hard. And look, the flip side is, you know, I feel bad, you know, crapping on DeAndre, but the flip side is. He may have a shady manager who's, you know, an agent who's got a lot of Dallas clients, Parsons among them. He's got a good relationship with Cuban. And obviously DeAndre is somebody who's manipulated. And it seems, you know, pretty clear that his agent, his agenda was to bring him to Dallas. Right. I mean, yeah. You know, who knows who who was really the bad guy, who was really the good guy, um... You know, except for DeAndre, we know you're a bad you know, guy because you don't. We know you're a bad guy because you're not a man. A man calls another man who he made a eighty million dollar promise to, and he doesn't hide from that man and lie and say he's on a date. I half-heartedly agree with that on the record. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm yeah. just teasing. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, the guys outside who are singing uh, New Year's celebration songs say. Eh? I don't know if that's Australia. What is that? I what think is... those are soccer hooligans. Soccer hooligans. We have soccer hooligans in. It's Vegas. You know, there's of course there's soccer hooligans. There, there. Anyway, so let's wrap this into our podcast. Let's wrap this podcast up because it's the first one of the year uh, with a NBA prediction. Let's just jump all the way ahead to the NBA Finals. Who's oh, playing the oh, NBA we, Finals? We, have to, we, we have, have. We don't. This. We have to. We have to do it. God we, damn it! Can we can we call it like a sort of unofficial? Unofficial. This isn't the one that we're stuck to. But I want to make an early. Yeah, I want to make an early one today on July. 11. Okay, so Knicks and in the West? No, no, no. I won't go that far. I'm going to say that it is uh, Cleveland, San Antonio. Cleveland, San Antonio. He's he's uh, he's taking the sort of trendy Safe, idea trendy. That, the, that the Warriors Safe, were a trendy pony. I'm going to go with the Warriors because I've thought about this trend a little bit. Right now, I give them like a 2% edge in my mind over the Spurs. Okay. Um, so it's not like I'm like, oh, they're going to do it again. It's that, you know, listen, I could be so wowed by LaMarcus's presence on the Spurs instantaneously and just feel like an idiot for having yeah. said that less. But right now, I, I just, I think that it's a little bit more complicated of a scheme than, 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 than we just think is sort of like the players on the page for the Spurs. It's going to take some time to get them together to get LaMarcus involved in that kind of ball movement and that kind of 
and that you know he, he's more of a mid-range guy who can score when the shot clock's late and we and we know he works well with Lillard and sort of this one-two offensive punch but you know I just I think it's going to take a little time is all I think they will get together and be very successful David West doesn't hurt at all coming yeah. off the bench yeah. for a dollar fifty but you know so I'm going with the Spurs I, and I'm going to just go ahead and honestly because I don't have any other way to justify there's no way he was going with the Cavs there isn't right now there isn't anyway so I'm I, I am predicting a repeat as okay. we speak and that's okay. and, and I hope I gave you enough to just say that that wasn't a lazy repeat no, no yeah well yeah we'll give it more focus and uh, you know maybe when we have you back on the podcast sometime we'll, we'll get a, a, a official prediction uh, and you know look to our uh, listeners out there I think the Knicks are back to being an NBA level basketball team <laughs> which is something yeah. for us and uh, we can hang our hat on and uh, I gotta say from you know, sitting five feet away from some of these guys, you guys are gonna be pleasantly surprised by Grant and Porzingis and Clear Clear Early. Clear Anthony Early. It's a it's a hard one. Let's it's, just it's call early. him Clar- Clarmelo Clarmelo Anthony. Uh, <laughs> and uh, look, we'll see. I'm, I'm 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 I think it's playoff time uh, for the Knicks this year. So I uh, look forward to an interesting uh, season of podcasts about the Knicks. All right. That wraps it up. Thanks, Mike. And uh, where can they find you? <laughs> I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, at Gmall G M A L L. Um, where are you? You're on Twitter. Oh well, I'm on Twitter, Matt Ritter one. Uh, you know, I'm all over that place. But uh, you, you do I other other basketball related stuff, right? I mean, do you want to do? You I do. Steer, uh, I am going to bring back my podcast this year. Um, Unofficial names, I'm not even going to throw it out there. But uh, if you find me at Gmail on Twitter, then uh, you'll you'll get details well in advance. And so uh, look forward to broadcasting on a very regular basis. We, so we, we sort of uh, dippled and dappled yeah, last it's season. It's time to get back into the hoops. Big Thanks time. so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. It's good to talk to the delusional Nick fans. Delusional Nick fans. We're all out there. I hope you guys uh, tune in because we got to stick together. All right. Talk to you soon.